This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. This morning, um, before I get started, uh, I hope uh, you realize that as you sit here today that um, you are sitting in an opportunity and a situation that few are sitting in um, because of what God's doing through Vortex in a movie theater in the small town of Albemarle, North Carolina. Um, God is doing something really incredible here, and people are hearing about it beyond here. I don't know if you realize that or not, um, but you are reaching just beyond your one, um, your one town, your one city. Um, but people uh, everywhere are taking notice of what you guys are doing here and um, how you're growing and what you're doing to reach um, Stanley County, really, um, with the message of Christ. So thank you so much for uh, letting, uh, letting me be a part. Thank you so much for what you do. Get involved. Do something. Um, don't just come be a consumer, but get involved in what God is doing because something certainly changes when you go from being a spectator to, uh, to being a player. And so be a part of uh, this move of God. Um, real quick, uh, how many of you have small children? Y'all are the tired ones. That's why you're here this morning, because you've been up since 5.30 anyway. So you're like, we might as well go ahead and go to church. Yep, I hear you. Um, we have, uh, my wife and I, we have a, um, a five-year-old. And, uh, of course, he hasn't always been five. At one point, he was three. And, uh, but a couple of years ago, uh, Riley went through a, a time where he was really, really afraid of the dark. And uh, it was one of those things where, you know, sometimes you're like, are you making this up? And then sometimes you're like, no, they're really terrified of the dark. Sometimes it's just because they're trying to manipulate you. Um, but sometimes they really are afraid. And so one night we get home. It's dark. It's dark in his room. He runs up the steps and he goes into his room and he wants something in his room. But when he gets to the door, obviously the, his room is, is, is dark. And so since he's terrified of the dark, instead of going in, he screams down the steps, mommy, daddy, come help. It's dark. And of course, you know, being good, uh, gentle parents, we're like, Riley, turn on the light yourself. And so, of course, after a little bit of whining, we're not heartless. And so I make my way up the steps um, to his room. And as I reach around the corner to flip on the light switch in his room, as soon as I flip it, I'm I'm, I'm mesmerized by the amount of junk that is on the floor. Like literally every toy he owns at that point, every Lego that he owns at that point, I swear it's scattered all over the floor. And we're not messy people. If you come over to our house, you'll, you would see that we're not messy people. And so this isn't normal. But as I, walk, as, as I flipped on the switch, his room was littered, littered with toys. As a matter of fact, I almost stepped on a Lego, and we know that that is like the first level of hell, right? Stepping on a Lego. And what, what, that got me, what that got me thinking was, is that small switch that I flipped to turn the light on is overlooked, but it's powerful, isn't it? Because that small switch, while it's not the actual light, that small switch on the wall, when it's flipped, it serves a great purpose, and it initiates something really good, right? It initiated me being able to see in that room so that I didn't trip over anything or so that I didn't step on a Lego. It made a little boy's fears vanish, all because of a small switch on the wall. As believers, if you're in here this morning and you consider yourself a Christ follower, you are called to be the switch. You are called to be that thing where you go, in the things you do, 
Whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're anywhere else, you are called to be the switch. You are called to initiate something and ignite something everywhere you go. Places should change because you show up. Things should change. The environment, the atmosphere should change in the places you go, in the things you do, simply because you're there. We're called, you and I, we're called to be the switch. But I think for so many of us, we have often considered that maybe we had a purpose and we have believed we had a purpose, but we've never believed we really had anything to offer. Some of you, you're sitting there. Like, you think, I don't have those gifts. I don't have those, that money. I don't, I don't know enough about that. I don't quite have that personality. And so you just kind of sat back and you've never really done anything significant for the kingdom of God because you think you don't have what it takes. For some of you, you would love to play a part, but you think your past disqualifies you from your purpose. And so for some of you, you are so stuck in your past and what people have told you and what people have convinced you of and the things that you've done that you have failed to be the switch in the, in the lives of the people around you because you have been convinced and the enemy has lied to you and people have told you that because of what you've done in your past, it disqualifies you from having any potential right now. As believers, as Christians, as people who have associated themselves with Christ, we have a duty in this world. We are meant for relationship with God, but we are also meant to do something as we walk through life. Think about it. If your purpose was to simply get saved, to have a relationship with Jesus, and then nothing else, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you just accept Christ, boom, dead? It's because we have, it's because we have something that, that God wants us to do. We have a purpose to play. And this morning, I want to talk from the subject of be the switch. Be the the switch. That's my title this morning. And to do that, I want to, I want to look at how we can live out our life with more purpose than we currently are without leaving the life that we know. To live with purpose does not require you joining a monastery or, 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 or going to the mountains for six weeks and declaring that, that you're not going to talk to anybody and you're only going to eat uh, wild, wild birds that you kill with your own bare hands. That is not what God's called us to do. He has called us to be purposeful right where we are, the places we already go. So I want to look at the story of a man in the Bible named David. For some of you, even if you've never been to church before and like you just woke up this morning and said, hey, I'm going to go to church, you probably know part of, part of David's story. Um, David is a man who went through a whole bunch in his life. He went through a lot of ups, a lot of downs. How many of you know that's, that's life right there? I mean, ups and downs, that is the story of life. And so David went through a lot of highs, a lot of lows. But the one thing David is known for throughout Scripture is he always seems to steady himself, and he always seems to accomplish his purpose and the thing that God's asked him to accomplish. And so this morning, I want to look at four things that I think if David were here in our world today, trying to live this life of being the switch, trying to live a life of purpose, four things I think he would tell us. And I'm going to set it up like this, just to kind of recap David's story a little bit. Um, Israel is God's chosen nation. It's in the Old Testament. Um, God wanted a relationship with some people, and so he chooses this nation of Israel, and he says, you're going to be my people. Y'all are my BFFs. Like, we're going to be on Snapchat together. We're going to be in a close circle of friends on Instagram. Like, we're going to be really tight. And so God calls this nation uh, Israel to be his people. Israel walks with God fairly well for a little while, and then they get a little prideful. They get a little cocky. They decide, hey, all these other nations, they have a king. We want a king. God's like, well, I've always been your king. They're like, no, we want like a human king. God's like, well, I'm better than that. And they're like, no, we want one. So finally God's like, sure, you can have a king. 
So God calls a man named Samuel to anoint the first king of Israel, a guy by the name of Saul. Saul starts out fairly well as a king and then gets prideful, impatient, which nobody in here is impatient, are you? And uh, so God finally looks at, looks at this situation. He's like, dude, Samuel, we've, we've got to redo this thing. Like, I wish I would have never made him king. I want you to go. I want you to find the next king of Israel. And so sure enough, Samuel goes to this man named Jesse. Jesse has at least eight sons that we know of. And he says, Jesse, I think the next king of Israel is going to come from, come from your family. So Jesse lines up seven of his boys to see who Samuel will anoint the next king of Israel. And as he's going through, he's like, eh, eh, eh. He's like, well, what about this one? This one's handsome. Eh, this one's big. Eh, this one's jacked. Eh. And everyone that Samuel goes to, God says, eh, that's not my man. And so that's where we'll pick up the reading in 1 Samuel 16. Verse 11, this is what it says. It says, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And imagine this look on Jesse's face. Well, they're still the youngest. As if to say, There's, there is another one, but nobody wants him. You don't want him. They're there's still the youngest, Jesse replies. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. I think the first thing David would tell us about being the switch and about becoming something different in our lives and becoming the person God's called us to, the first thing he would say is being forgotten doesn't make you a failure. Being forgotten does not make you a failure. And so here is David. David is being faithful as a shepherd. And when it comes time for his own father to ring the bell and say, you're in the starting lineup, you come be a choice for the next king of Israel, he is forgotten by his very own father. For some of you, that is the situation you're in. You have been forgotten. You have been left out. You have never been the favorite. You've always been the one that you felt like was in the background. It's never quite been there for you. And you feel like because people have forgotten you that you are a failure. You feel like because people have forgotten you, you cannot be the switch and do anything significant where you are. This morning, God wants you to know that that is not true, that being forgotten does not make you a failure because when others forget, God remembers. Here's David. Can you imagine the things that went through David's mind as in just a few minutes he's going to show up to this lineup? Can you imagine the things that went through David's mind as he walks into the room? His other brothers are lined up. You have Samuel, you have Jesse, and he walks in the room and he's like, what? Like, seriously, Dad? Like, like seriously, this is an opportunity. We all deserve a chance. Can you imagine how David felt when he walks onto the scene, being forgotten to be in the lineup by his very own father? It could have taken him out, couldn't it? Like, wouldn't, just be honest. Some of you, when you showed up to this situation in this scene, wouldn't you have just left? Like, it had to feel like, you ever been, have you ever walked up to some people and they were talking about you, but, you did, but they didn't want you to know it. And so when you walk up, they're like, hmm, hmm, Some of y'all did that this morning. But you know they're talking about you, and so the second you walk up, every all conversation stops, either that or they change it to something really awkward. That has to be the way David's felt here, and it very well could have taken him out. As a matter of fact, for me, I think I would have just left. I'd have been like, forget it. Dad, if you can't remember me, brothers, if nobody... If, if, if nobody said, hey, it might be a good idea to have Dave here, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to walk out. For some of you, being forgotten has taken you out. And so you've gotten to the point where you don't even try. 
Because what's the the point? Nobody's going to notice what I do. Nobody's going to notice my hard work. I've always been forgotten. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to quit trying. For some of you, being forgotten has taken you out. For some of you, you were offended. And so you've just cut off the relationship. That's what David could have done here. For some of you, you were abandoned. Maybe it was as a child. Maybe it was later in life. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe they're still there, but you feel abandoned. And so you've just given up. And you've assumed that being forgotten has made you a failure. It has not. There is still something deep inside of you. Watch, watch how I know this. Because God, God looks at us differently. Watch a couple of verses before. 1 Samuel 16, 7. This is what it says. This is before Samuel goes to, to, to Jesse's brothers. It says, or to Jesse's sons. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When others forget, God remembers. And here's something, everybody, everybody on me, because this, for some of you, this is why you had to get out of bed this morning. When God looks at you, he does not see what other people see. When God looks at you, because he created you, he sees what he has put inside of you. And so it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter about the past. It doesn't matter about the mistakes. When God looks at you, he sees what he has placed inside of you. He sees you in your purest form. And when God looks at you as a believer, he sees the Jesus inside of you. And so he sees what he has put in there. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how they've forgotten you. When God looks at you, he looks at your heart. And only the creator can decide what the creation is because he knows what he's put in you. God has not forgotten you. You are not a failure. You do have a purpose. You can walk through life with more. Being forgotten doesn't make you a failure. And here's the thing. If you and I, if we wait on other people to confirm us before we determine that we are worth something. We will always be waiting because people change their minds. People are flighty. So the second you seek attention from someone and confirmation from someone, they will change their mind. If you live by the compliments of men, you will die when they stop. Being forgotten does not make you a failure. So David is ultimately anointed by Samuel. He has the oil poured over him, which is a symbol of anointing the presence of God, the Spirit of God on him. And he goes right back out to the field. He goes right back out to the pasture. Even though he's been called to the palace, he goes back out to the pasture. And some people would say that it was about 15 years, 15 years from the time David is anointed as king that day to the time he actually takes the throne. Here's point number two. Don't let success lead to your failure. Don't let success lead to your failure because here's what's going to happen. As you begin, as you begin to, to, to take hold of some things, as you begin to serve in church and grab this idea of being the switch, as you begin to serve in church, as you begin to kind of live differently in, at your workplace, as you begin to try to go to school a little bit differently this year, people will take notice. And the second you determine that is for you, and it is about you, you will fail at what God has called you to do. Don't let success lead to your failure. Here is David. He is the next king of the nation of Israel, and all of a sudden, he's back out with the stinky sheep again. Like, I got to admit, I wouldn't have done that. 
If you tell me I'm going to be the next king, but you say, oh, by the way, go out to back out to the pastor, I'm going to be like, don't I have some son or servant to do that now? I'm not doing that. But yet here's, here's David. He's been forgotten. He's been anointed. But now he's back out in the pasture. If you want to do something bigger than yourself, start with something small. Start with something small. Matter of fact, Scripture elsewhere says, if I can't trust you in the small things, who's to trust you with true riches? Some of us, we have not been the switch, and we're not doing anything significant where we are, and the reason we're not is because we think we're called to something better. And so it's almost like it becomes too meaningless to do that. Nah, you know, I, I, I would love to help set up church, but I'm really called to sing. Everybody says it. Everybody says I'm supposed to sing. Sing in the shower. My wife says I'm good. My husband says I'm good. I, I'm really called to sing. Yeah, I would love to help set up. I would love to help clean up, but I'm really called to sing. It's in the, it's in the small things. It's in the small acts of obedience that God does his best work. David is king, but he's out in the pasture. He's supposed to be on the throne, but instead he's out in the field. Do y'all see what I'm saying? We can very well let success lead to our failure if we don't realize who we are. I think the reason that God chose David is because he knew David would go right back out to the pasture. You see, I really believe God is looking for some people with a heart not to let their head get too big. I think that's why God uses Pastor Kevin like he does. Because he knows that no matter how big this thing gets, Kevin is going to be the same Kevin. I think God is looking for some people that have the heart not to let success get to their head. So David goes right back out to the field one day. The Israelites are at war with the Philistines. They were for much of Saul's kingship. This is before David's taken over. And so one day, David is out in the field, and his dad, Jesse, which I still find is funny because Jesse was there when David was anointed, but yet he still sends David to, to, to deliver some food and check on his brothers while they're in battle. And so he sends David to deliver some cheese and bread, and so David is delivering his pizza to his brothers. He's, 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 he's checking on them. One day, and he gets to the front, and the way they would fight battles back then is they would have one repre representative from each army, and they would kind of step forward, and whoever won that battle represented the, the winning army. And so for 40 days, there's been this giant taunting the Israelite army for 40 days. He's hurling insults, and for 40 days, there's no one willing to fight him. Until this day... David is delivering a pizza to his brothers, and he hears the giant mark, mo mocking the Israelite army. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 17, 26. It says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? And so you can see David right here has one of those, oh, heck no moments, right? And actually Saul, because it had been so long, Saul had offered up to three rewards, tax breaks, he had offered his daughter in marriage, he had offered like a cash prize for anyone willing to fight this. And so David's like, what are they going to get again? Because this ain't right. 
the last part of verse 26. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Leave that up just for, just for a second because I just want to hit this just for a second. Do you see that word allowed? I don't know that I've ever paid any attention to that word. Who is this pagan Philistine that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? God. In other words, it's not that I don't have victory or that we don't have victory. It's, it's that you are allowing him to cause defeat. And I just want to pause right there and I want to offer this. Maybe there are some of you this morning and the things that are taking you down and some of the giants in your life are there not because you don't have the power to overcome them, but because you're allowing them by the stuff you're letting in your life, by the thoughts you're allowing to circulate through your head, by the people you have around you, and God has given you victory over those things, but you are allowing them because you're stuck in old habits. Just a side note, maybe there's some things that are giants in your life that, you are, that are there simply because you're allowing. He says, Who's allow- why is he allowed to defy the armies of the living God. In other words, David is saying everyone else is focused on the size of this giant. Let's focus on the size of our God. Like this giant is a big dude, I admit. But have you, have you seen our God? Have you seen what he's capable of doing? So David continues. Verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I will go fight him. Verse 33, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only, you're only. I wonder if some of us aren't trapped where we are today and we're not stuck in patterns of thought and patterns of life because we've been told you're only. You're only a single mom. You can't do that. Some of us, we're not the switch right now because we've been told we're only. You're, you're just a regular guy. You can't, you can't teach. You can't preach. You don't have any potential. You're only. Don't let your only disqualify you from, from your destiny. Dave, Saul says, you're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Number three, never let the page dictate the story. I think David would tell us, don't let the page dictate the story. The story. In other words, don't let where you are in life right now determine where you'll end up. When Riley was learning to potty train, we started to wonder if he would ever get it. How many of you have been there? As a matter of fact, I started writing a manual to give to his college roommate one day of, of how he likes his diaper changed. Because I was convinced at that point, he's our only child, and I was convinced at that point that when we checked him in at his dorm room, we would have to bring in this like Rubbermaid tub of adult diapers and help his roommate change them. Y'all get what I'm saying? Y'all, some of y'all have been there, and, and, and you know, like you know that they know what they're doing, but yet they're still pooping in their pants. Y'all know what I'm saying? And so it becomes this frustrating tug and pull and battle of wheels. But we, we didn't give up, Right? If not, he would have gone, if it would have, he would have gone to college, still having, needing his diaper changed. We don't give up when it comes to kids, but we often give up when it comes to our life. If you let where you are 
determine where you're going to be. Maybe, maybe right now life isn't going where you want it to. Maybe you don't feel like you have anything to give. Maybe all, all heck did break loose before you left this morning to come to church of all places. Maybe the job is, is rough. Maybe you aren't in a perfect place where you think you can do something significant for God. Maybe you aren't where you thought you would be. But the thing is, is you still have something to use right there. And if you let where you are disqualify you from where God's going to take you, you will be sorry later. David says, I see that this giant is taunting these people, but I'm not going to let that determine where we end this thing. And do you know why he did that? Because he knew, he knew the size of his God, and he knew that his God doesn't give up and that his God has put something inside of him. He knew that he had something to offer. And so he said, listen, I know this giant is big, but my God is bigger. I know this page is tough, but my God is bigger. Don't let the page dictate the story. In other words, some of you, you have some things that you feel like God's promised you. If the promise isn't delivered, God's not done. He said, I will work all things to the good of those who love me. If it's not good, he's not through. Keep going. Look at how David dealt with it. Verse 34 but David persisted, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it and club with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Ah, right, men? Okay, I'm sorry. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to the stinking Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God, and I ain't having it. Verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will also rescue me from this Philistine. In other words, David was faithful in the pasture because he knew that God was putting something in him in the pasture that he would need in the, to get to the palace. Did you catch that? He knew there's something I need out there. Where you are is setting you up for where God's taking you. And I think God in his grace oftentimes withholds the final plan because he knows you can't handle it right now. So, finally David talks Saul into it. He says, I'm going to do this thing, Saul. I'm prepared. And in 1 Samuel 17, 38, 39, it says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. The fourth thing David would tell us about being the switch is don't despise what God designed with you in mind. Don't despise what God designed with you in mind. And so here's David. He's finally, he's stepping up. He's going to take this giant down just like the way he did those bears. And Saul's like, okay, well, I got, I got to, got to do something. Here's, here's my armor. And puts it on David and David probably walks around kind of like this. Y'all know when you're looking for toilet paper and he kind of walks around like this because it's, because it, it is armor. And finally he's like, he's on his way to battle. He's like, thank you, Saul. And finally, he's like, I can't do this. And he takes them off. Do you know why he took them off? 
because they weren't made for him. If you try to be someone else, you will never be yourself and you will be a terrible version of them. God designed you. He put things in you. He gave you characteristics. He gave you intelligence. He made you, he designed you to think a certain way. And if you try to be someone else, we will be missing you. And God has put some things in you for you to use for him, for you to be the switch with. And if you deny those things and you try to be something you're not and you try to walk around in Saul's armor, you're never going to get to be yourself and we're going to be missing something important. Something that, that God has placed in you that he wants you to have for other people, that he wants you to have to work in this whole church thing. Don't despise what God designed with you in mind. Verse 40, he picked up, so he throws off the armor, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Why did he pick up stones and put them in his shepherd's bag? Because he was a shepherd, right? And so I believe God's given you some things. And if you're constantly looking at, looking at it and saying it's not enough or I need something else, I, I need a sword, all I have is rocks, you're going to miss the thing that God's called you to do. So he puts him in his shepherd's bag. It says, then, then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley. So why did he choose stones? Why did he put them in his shepherd's bag? Why did he go out with a staff and a sling? Or better yet, why did he have the belief that he could do it with that? Because he had done it in the past, because he was a shepherd. What God, the past God has given you, it may have not have been easy. It may have had some tough days, some tough years. You may have came from a place where it's a miracle that you're here today, but God can use that past. The gifts that he's placed inside of you. If you're short, be short in Jesus' name. If you're big, be big in Jesus' name. If you think about life a certain way, think about it that way, but do it in Jesus' name. The things and the ways that God has designed you, he designed with you in mind. Don't despise it. He's, he's going to use it. And this whole be the switch thing, if you're going to be the switch on the wall that illuminates the darkness, that reveals the, God's plan for people, that shows up in an environment and it's something unique changes in that environment because you walk in. And that's the, that's, that's the way God wants it to be. If we're going to do that, we have to embrace who we are in him. In this culture of comparison and in this culture of connectivity, God is looking for some people who will be themselves, and who will do it with a purpose. God is looking for some people that have the heart not to let the other stuff go to their head. God is looking for some people that even though you feel forgotten, that you don't feel like a failure, and you know what God has placed inside of you because he sees you for who you really are. God is looking for some people who are willing to be the switch. So if you just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment, I want to I just ask you just a few questions. And the reason I want you to bow your head and close your eyes is because I, I, I don't wanna, I want you to be distracted. I just want you to think through this just, just for a minute. You can, you can open your eyes and write these down, but I just want you to think through these for just a moment. I want you to ask yourself, who is around me that God wants me to be intentional with? Who is around me 
that God wants me to be intentional with because he's put some people in your path and those people are your purpose. What has God given me that he wants me to use for him? What abilities, what resources, what gifts has God given you that he wants you to use for him? How is God preparing me for tomorrow? Even though it doesn't look like I want it to on this page, God is doing something. Even though it doesn't look like I want it to right now, God has taken me somewhere. Maybe the thing that you thought was God's, God's silence is really just God's preparation. How is he preparing you for tomorrow? And where can I be intentional about being the switch? So, in case you don't know the end of the story, David steps up to steps up to Goliath. He slings his stone. He knocks the giant down. David eventually takes the throne. Through a series of ups and downs, David would have an affair, commit murder, basically. He would have a lot of ups and downs, but at the end of David's life, we read that David was a man after God's own heart. What weird vocabulary for a man who totally messed it up. I think the reason that we read that in scripture, that he was a man after God's own heart, is number one, because his heart was tender towards God. But I think number two, it's because David, even though he never sought perfection and never got to perfection, he always embraced his purpose. So what's your purpose? How are you called to be the switch? How is the environment at work gonna, tomorrow going to change? How is the environment at school? How is the environment, the temperature in your home? How is the environment at the restaurant you work out? How is it going to change because you are there? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.